0: In my opinion, the nature can build your body better than the gym, better than every technology. And that's the most important, is to accept the nature inside you. The nature is absolutely different. You have the sun, you have the the ground contact, you have the spiritual connection with the woods, with the nature, with the sand, with the, the sea. And this is the most important because you, you can reconnect with your DNA. And your DNA, I think, is adventurer. The humanity always explores new lands, new, new things.
1: And we forgot everything about that in our modern society. Hey guys, before we get to this week's episode, I wanted to let you know about an exciting development at Evolve Move Play. So we are bringing back our two day traveling workshops. So so that means one of our workshops might be coming out to a city near you, or potentially you could reach out to us and bring us to a city near you. We did this for years. I started, when I started Evolve, Move, Play, I taught traveling workshops all over the world from 2013 to 2019. But after the birth of my youngest daughter, I needed to stay home more with my wife and my three kids. And so we stopped those. But now we have a really amazing staff of teachers who've come up with me through the retreats of the last few years. And I myself have a little bit more freedom to travel. So we've got four upcoming dates here in the States and two dates in Europe coming up where you can come and train with us for just two days. That means it's gonna be a lot easier entry point as far as cost and logistics for you to come and join us. So check out what's going on with our two-day workshops in the link down below. And we look forward to seeing you and sitting near you soon. Uh, Welcome, Leo, to the Evolve Move Play podcast. It's a pleasure to have you.
0: Hey, Rave, how are you? I'm super happy to be here with you.
1: (laughs) So for the audience, Leo is a professional parkour athlete and uh, the founder of something called the Primal uh, Method and well-known now uh, fairly worldwide as one of the kind of leading tree jumping climbing men out there. Um, And... He's been doing a lot of really interesting things as well in going out and studying the movement of animals as inspiration for his practice. So I've been following Leo's movement since I think 2007. That's when the original human Z video came out, right? Yeah, he's right. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot of common ground between us and the ways that we practice. So I've been looking forward to having this conversation for a long time. So yeah, I think that's, that's about it. Um, so tell me what is the primal approach like how how did that become a the thing that you were doing
0: I think to be honest the the primal approach to for for, for us occidental people is to reconnect uh, with yourself with your natural part with your instincts with your savage parts you know so i this year I, i'm traveling around the world for example my next my next um um journey um it will be in in amazon rainforest mm-hmm. so yeah um it's totally different the approach um about the nature for the Amerindian people, natives from the, the jungle. And in my last trip, I opened my mind about the primal method cause I don't create nothing. Uh, I'm I'm just like David Bell in the first time, you know, David was inspired by, by animals too, by, uh, military uh, methods by gymnastics, everything, uh, things like that. And in my case, I was looking a lot of documentaries mm-hmm. um, <laughs> about animals, orangutans, great apes that uh, try to to learn and to to observe every details, every movement. And when I was in in the jungle for the first time with the chimpanzees or with the tribes, it was like a shock with me. You know, it's like, okay, I don't create nothing. It's just inside every people. It's like, yeah, it's inside 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 us, and we just need to reconnect with, with the, the salvage part of, of, of the humanity cause for example, in America or in Europe, um, we spend a lot of times inside the cities with the phones, with the technology um, and we cut every contact with the nature. And, During, for example, during a lot of generations, we cut this contact, but for example, tribes in Africa or Indonesia, America, don't cut the contact with the nature and they are super um, connected with the savage part, not like us, you know, and I'm just an occidental guy, a white guy. Uh, doing a normal stuff, because it's absolutely normal to be barefoot, for example. Yeah. And we forgot everything about that. But to to be barefoot in the nature is like the most normal thing for a human.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because what is unusual, though, is the setting out to, to do these things as practices, right? Yes. Like I, speaking with a friend of mine, Tom Montjoy once, who, um, who's another physical culturalist and also an anthropologist. And so he did his, uh, his PhD work in, uh, some Pacific islands. I can't remember which one, but he was talking about how he went out there and he had, uh, he had a kettlebell and he had rings and he would, you know, he would like, do his his ring muscle-ups and his kettlebell swings and he'd run and then he'd swim and the natives would just laugh at him because they didn't understand yeah the idea of doing movement for no other purpose but movement they swam all the time to catch fish right um they they climbed trees to get coconuts but they didn't they didn't practice muscle-ups on the rings right it's the idea yeah. of going out to discover just how we can climb a tree um in some sense as an adult that does the that seems unique to me from uh, the perspective of of these tribal cultures has that been your experience or what do you see when you've gone out um do you, do you recognize what i'm what i'm pointing to here
0: when i was there with the tribe people it was just in like avatar you know it's another word it's mm-hmm. absolutely different than than everything that i know so yeah and I was very impressed by the the skills of these people. To climb the trees, it's like super super normal for him, for them to climb a tree. It's super easy. I discovered for the first time the 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 lianas to climb the trees, the big trees, more than sixty meters. It's like it's so huge, you know. And for the first time, I climbed the lianas. But for the tribe people. Uh, the native people is is the routine you know is the, every day to 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 hunt the monkeys with the uh, I don't know uh, what is the name of this it's weapon the blow the, the blow, blow you know
1: it's called a blow gun. Yeah. In English,
0: yeah, the blow gun, yeah and and they climb
1: uh,
0: in the middle of the jungle with the 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 snakes because you you have a lot of dangerous species, different kind of species of snake, snakes snakes mm-hmm. inside the trees um um plants, um uh bees and it is it, a dangerous stuff to to climb the trees but they live like that um and it's absolutely normal is the routine um uh, since thousand years and it's normal the the thing is not normal is to live like the occidental people disconnected uh we we in, in, uh, probably in, I don't know, maybe 100 years we forgot about walking, you know. <laughs> so it's the decadence of the humanity, in my opinion. Mm-hmm.
1: So let's um let's rewind for a second. You you started parkour um, around the same time I did, eh? Like I I'm, I'm going on 18 years of practice now. So I started in 2005. You, maybe you were a little bit before that, around the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Around I mean, the same time. Yeah. Yeah, around the same time. And you were in your early teens when you started. I was 23. So I think you're about 10 years younger than me. Uh, so you were what, 13, 14 when you started?
0: I started around, yes, 12 years. 12 years old. Okay. 11, 12 years. Yes.
1: So are you what, 29, 30 right now? 30, yeah. 30. Okay. So- I'm a young. that's good uh and tell me about the evolution i I know you you had access to the the trees that have been seen in your videos up in andorra from very early on in your practice but initially you were also going to the city a lot how did that shift over time
0: yeah because in andorra i had the possibility to switch between the city and the mountains and I was living in in um, in Gloucester's. Golosters is close to the city, but it's 600 meters uh, high to the city in the mountains. But you still have the forest, pine forest with a big lake. Uh, I also have two big antennas, more than 100 meters high, and yeah, it was like the paradise for me to uh, develop every skills and to translate my parkour skills inside the forest because for example two walls or uh, a wall and a bar, um in the in the city uh, you have the the perfect geometry and the perfect is very symmetric you know but in the tree is not about the distance it's more about uh, the feeling and how to 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 feel and to put your body inside uh, the tree to to cross for example between two branches and everything is absolutely different and in that moment when i was 15 or 16 um, i was more interested to move inside the trees. So I start to take a lot of stuff about uh, natural method and documentaries about great apes, and big cats, animals in general, and tribes. For example, core wise in, in Indonesia, climb trees. and. And build uh, the day uh, home inside the trees. So yeah, um, it was very interesting for me in that time to to change my inspirations, because in the parkour we have a lot of good athletes, good people doing every week different different skills or different performance. Mm-hmm. But in this time. Yes, I I change my mind, I change my training, and I change my motivations. So, I change also my training and my philosophy about the parkour. So that's why I call uh, primal for me, because it's more it's more about my philosophy and, and the parkour. Yeah, I I also practice parkour uh, even now, but yes. Yeah, it's absolutely different and I, uh, I don't create nothing, of course, because uh, the people from the tribes practice um, the the tree climbing better also than me in, in some parts of Africa with the pygmies, for example. But I'm just like, you know, uh, the fire still of the Occidental people to... Uh, To remember to reconnect with your wild part. And that's the most important for me. That's my message.
1: Connect to the wild in ourselves. Sorry? Sorry, to connect to the wild or the wise? I couldn't understand what you said. The wild,
0: the wildest part. The wildest. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. Um it's interesting. So I I started uh in the nineteen ninety-six Olympics, uh the American women's team performed really really well and that was, it was a super inspirational moment where this woman girl carrie strug did a did a vault on a broken ankle and it seemed super heroic it's probably a bad idea but it seemed heroic at the time and it inspired me so i went and started training gymnastics when i was 15 um, and i was terrible at it because i was very tall and hadn't yet filled out so i was six foot one 1.87 meters uh and i weighed 150 pounds so i don't think that's like 70 75 kilos and now i weigh like 100 kilos so my body was (laughs) gonna fill out a lot
0: oh my god big change yeah
1: (laughs) i'm 20 right now so um so i had the body structure for someone who's gonna weigh a lot but i you know still hadn't filled out so i was very very gawky and 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 uncomfortable my body but i was trying to do gymnastics that's kind of i guess that's a immaterial story but um what was interesting is I, I ended up teaching gymnastics because I was good with kids. And so I, I started working on that. And I found that more than the anthropology that I was doing at university, I just loved this, this teaching. Oh. And so I was teaching gymnastics and I was training with the gymnastics team. I was really diving in to try to, I wanted to be good enough at gymnastics to prepare high level athletes. I never, you know, I was twenty, 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 twenty one, twenty three 20, 23 by then. And, um, And I didn't, I didn't, uh, I I was obviously never going to be a professional gymnast, but I wanted to be good enough to help these kids. Right. And then I discovered parkour. And for me, parkour was as if someone had taken what I loved about gymnastics and revealed to me that it was much deeper and much more primal. Right. And the same sense, like I wanted to go, I, I loved being in nature and I had grown up climbing trees all the time, but but I was like trying to imagine the skills that we use in parkour, the kong vaults. It's like how would I do a kong vault out in nature? Like how would I use these skills? How would I do a lazy vault or a dash vault? Um, yeah. And it,
0: it, was, it was very similar for me at, at the beginning, mm-hmm. very similar.
1: Yeah, and so then there was this moment of of discovery that of how we can move in nature, and in the same sense that like parkour is, it it's like closer to the the form right Uh, like the platonic essence of what it means to locomote yourself as a human being than gymnastics is gymnastics is trying to be what parkour is that's that's how i feel about it and then
0: yeah
1: and then nature parkour in nature or locomotion in nature that's where it all comes from that's the root of it right that's why my events are called return to the source um because that's returning to that source of movement so it's interesting to hear you talk about that sense of of going back but I had the sense initially like I remember the hesitation about going to nature because I couldn't map the movements that I had learned in parkour into the natural spaces so I'm curious how that one it sounds like you you've been doing parkour primarily in the urban space for two to three years before you started really exploring nature exactly you also grown up climbing those trees like as a kid Right, You had that. Yeah.
0: Like you, I think.
1: Yeah. And the separation wasn't so big, right? Because you know, I I became an adult. Uh, I stopped climbing the trees as part of just childhood play, maybe at 15, 16. And then I was was 23 when I discovered parkour, but you're you're still a child really when you discover parkour. So you go into the trees again, when you're 15 or 16, how did that how did that interact with the identity as a parkour athlete and the the exploration specifically of the skills that were important in the parkour culture?
0: yeah, to be to be honest, at the beginning, for me, the difference between the parkour and the primal it, it was the same for me. You know, it's just parkour in the nature. Um, and I try. I, I was trying to to search every every jump, every similarity, everything like parkour, but in nature. Mm-hmm. That was my 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 first approach in the nature. But now it's absolutely different, you know. So for me now is actually is very important and vital for me to be just in the nature not necessarily doing uh primal things or parkour things no just to be in the nature and feel the nature I, every day is mm, it's like yeah it's like my it's my routine you know, you know now i i can't be in in the cities i can be I it's it's not possible for me to stay a long time in the cities. Uh, it's very toxic for me. It's it's horrible, you know. And for me, actually, it's absolutely necessary to be in the nature every day of my life. To it's like it's the the most normal thing I, 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 that I can do. Cause the nature. How to do that? Um... The nature is like you 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 know I feel like i'm for I'm part of the nature, and at the beginning, it was I'm still here, oh yeah well oh, you stay here okay uh, at the at the first time it was just for the performance, it was just for um uh, discover my skills, discover my my identity and myself, but now is the nature uh apports to me a lot and uh, I consider me like not, not a difference about the nature and biodiversity, but I want to be, yeah, I, I want to, how to say that? Uh, I want to to say the things to the nature because probably it's one of of the functions of my life, you know? So now I'm doing... A lot of stuff for for that uh, documentaries around the world for uh, the French TV and also for my channel YouTube, but I want to to do more for the nature uh, now in and not just about the performance and 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 showing my skills. It's more about trying to protect the last Virgin place of the nature and show these magical places to the the people to the the humanity and that's my that's my goal um for the next years absolutely
1: sorry um, um sorry I sorry, had a little camera problem there but uh you were telling me a a lot about this passion you have that your your desire is not so much to showcase performance anymore or to even ex- necessarily explore your own capacity exactly. feel, but really to utilize what you've built in yourself to reinvite people into maybe relationship with the natural world
0: yes and i think um, now we can we can do everything in in the gyms. We we can perform with any sport because we have the technology. We have the the best shoes. We have the best material. Everything, you know. But I think, in my opinion, now I'm thirty. I'm super young, you know. But in my opinion, the nature can build your body. Better than the gym, better than every technology, and that's the most important. is to Is to know that is to to accept the nature inside you, because is an evidence is an evidence when you are just in front of a big sequoia or a big tree, mm-hmm. you you can feel this the the strong reality of the nature, and when you are in the fucking gym with the the, I don't know, uh, this kind of exercise, yeah, you can build a big body, but everything around that is not real. The food is not real. The material is not real. The light is not real. Uh, the nature is absolutely different. You have the sun. You have the the ground contact. You have the spiritual connection, because I, I believe in that. You have the spiritual connection with the woods, with the nature, with the sand, with the, the sea. And this is the most important, because you, you can reconnect with your DNA. Um, and your DNA, I think, is adventure. is the humanity always explore new lands, new new things and we forgot everything about that now actually in our modern society Mm -hmm. and it's important to reconnect with that with uh yeah we are warriors we are people discovering new lands and we love the adventure and now the biggest adventure is to be in the subway (laughs) to go uh, I don't know in the work and and watching Netflix. That's the biggest adventure. No, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are finding, think they're finding that adventure through like video games and exploration of the digital space. And um,
0: it, because it's easy to to win something in the video games or in some apps like Tinder. You can have one woman maybe this night, you know, but mm-hmm. you 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 are disconnected about the real things in the reality
1: yeah i've been thinking a lot about the the research in, in psychology says that meaning in life is driven by our sense of connectedness and so i've been thinking a lot about the idea that fundamentally there's there's kind of five connections that a, a life is built on that our sense our experience of being is built on which is The stuff that's internal to you, like how you relate to what's inside yourself, right? There's, you know, your hands are separate in some sense from your face, Really, different muscular systems. How do they relate? But also how does the emotional aspect of the self that plays out through these emotions, through this physical body relate? How does the mind, then how does that body mind relate to the physical environment? Both how do you move through it? Then how do you manipulate it? How do you work with it? and then how do we how do we uh, connect to other living embodied beings right and then last how do we connect to the transcendent this the you know what you might call the spiritual um if we have better sophistication and connection on all those levels that we will have more meaning in life and then there's like natural is an interesting word right because Human beings, of course, are a product of nature. So, and then in some sense, everything we create is also a part of nature. But we can, I think, think about the world of artifice, the things that we create, versus I like this term, the life world. All the other living things, them and their products, how are we connected and interwoven into that? And in so many ways, we have viewed ourselves as separate and crafted worlds that are as separate from that as possible and I think we're only now really discovering how intensely we are actually interdependent with the rest of the life world and can't even know ourselves can't fully develop ourselves without that deep interpenetration with the living world yeah so tell me I'm curious about how that has kind of evolved for you right Like, I imagine that when you started doing this, when you were 15, 16 years old, you weren't necessarily thinking about it in this more spiritual perspective, this more uh, service to the world perspective. You were were testing yourself and your limits on what you could do. And you had trees um, to do it on. But over time, I imagine this has built up. Like even, you know, I remember you're just talking about how it's hard for you to be in the city anymore. But within the last few years, you've done a lot of exploration of of urban climbing. Yeah, <laughs> highball urban climbing. So it's interesting. Like, has that has that been a shift for you as you've been exposed to some of these things? How has your thought evolved in the relationship between a movement practice that's in nature and what you're seeking out of nature?
0: You know about your, your run climbing is is the same. Is in the urban jungle, is the urban concrete. And King Kong proved prove that, you know. When King Kong is mm-hmm. in the city, he climbed the, the biggest skyscrapers in New York. So for me, it was the same. I was living in Paris for um, four years. It was difficult for me to adapt myself to the city uh i was living just uh, very close to the the forest of course it was super important for me to have a forest close to my home but yeah i was fascinated about buildings for me it's like a big tree but is the urban canopy is the highest point of view in 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 the city and I was fascinated about the stuff of Alan Roberts, the French Spider-Man, and I was in contact with him. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot, and we meet, we, we connect. Yeah, we connect uh, our minds, and we climb together. And it was, yeah, a very, a very important part of my life. Uh, Now, I, I, I don't climb any more buildings because it's a lot of troubles, a lot of problems with the, the police or, you know, with the court and I was very happy and I had my experience with the buildings I climbed 20, 23 build, different kind of buildings just in Europe but and for me it was the same approach, it's Primal, Uh, you know, everything is built with natural materials, uh, sand, um, stones. I don't know, but it's, it's it's natural, and but the contact with a, for example, a piece of wood and a piece of shit in the city is not the same, and the connection is absolutely different. And for me, yeah, as you as you. As you told me, every, every child knows how to climb a tree, but when you grow up, uh, you forget everything about that. And for me to climb the trees, don't forget uh, the child inside you. It's the most important part. Don't forget that and don't forget where you want to go, you know, and in your life. What is the purpose of your life? Making money for, for what? So of course, in our modern society, it's super important to have money to realize your dreams. But when I when I see people with a lot of money and these people still sad, I think the humanity is absolutely sick, you know. And I think the money the money is is absolutely toxic. Because you cut trees to make money, you you. You destroy the, the earth and yourself just for this system, and it's a lot of suffering. I I'm not happy in this world when I see the destruction of the earth, of the natural things, and when you see, bro, it's amazing when you when you realize you have more. Um, in in the planet, you have more uh, bovine and animals to eat than humans, and the the people still having hunger is like absolutely crazy. And I can't understand how how the world still working.
1: Yeah, there. Are, um. Yeah, we have we do have less hunger than we've ever had before. So that is that is also true. Um, but, uh, but there's a, it's an interesting problem that we have of how to, I, I grew up around people who were very deep in caring about the environmental movement. And one of the ethics that came out of the environmental movement was this idea of leave no trace or basically like don't touch. And I think that that has some value right there are it's very easy for human beings to excessively damage the environment i just think about any major concert right if you have a big concert big gathering of people what happens to the grassy field that the people are on it turns to mud right yeah grasses are destroyed grass can handle being walked over a lot it can handle being chewed on by by herbivores Um, it's built for that but everything has a kind of rate at which it can be stressed uh, and degree that it can be stressed before it starts to break down. if you concentrate a bunch of human beings, we, we break it down. That's why we have cities that are made out of concrete, because if we, if we just had the nature, it would just, it would, it would just turn into mud. Yeah. Um, but but this idea that we need to not touch everything. We should just kind of that the best thing that we can do for nature is to silo ourselves into cities and watch it from outside. Uh, I think is deeply misleading because I don't think that you create stewards of nature who deeply care for it if they can't connect to it physically, if they haven't moved through it, if they haven't harvested from it. So I think that we need a, another, another approach. My dad is a, is a natural builder, and he said something to me which I thought was really like it's just an amazingly beautiful goal. He said that he wanted every house that he created to create more ecosystem than it took away. So he builds houses with living roofs. And I think this is, this is the interesting thing is that human beings can actually be stewards and contributors to the value of nature. The interesting thing is like when we climb trees, um, the trees get stronger if we don't climb them excessively mm-hmm. because, because trees like human beings respond to the stresses that we, that, that they experience. Right. So wind trains a tree's limbs, just like, you know, climbing the tree trains your limbs, but when you're moving in the tree, it's actually making the tree stronger so long as you don't over it. And so this is an interesting thing for, for folks like, because we're trying to invite people back into a relationship with nature but if we invite people back into a relationship with nature and everyone sees this one tree and we get a huge concentration of people who go to that tree we're actually we're going to kill that tree yeah but I think
0: yeah 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 sorry
1: continue but if we can get more human beings to have a relationship with trees We strengthen the humans, we strengthen the trees, and we strengthen the drive in the human beings to make sure that the trees are taken care of and planted and continue to be a part of our environment. Um, So we have to, we have to kind of navigate this, this balance of inviting people in, in a way that, that builds sustainability as we go. Yeah,
0: I absolutely agree. Yeah.
1: So i'm I'm curious about curious about your as you've kind of built yourself into moving in the trees and how t- has there been a community that's built up around you and those practices in France and in andorra um how how has that played out or have you been pretty much on your own doing this over the last couple decade and a half <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the things change very fast, you know. And I think more uh, in uh, now with the the social media's everything, and people can reconnect. I think with my videos, uh, with the 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 primal part of ourselves, and I think the relationship with the tree is is very personal. Every people can find. Um, answers about ourselves inside the tree but i think yeah and the tree is the is the best is is my best friend to build my body and my mind because when you see for example uh, a great ape like Mm orangutan you can you can see some very, they are in harmony with the tree, you know mm-hmm. and when you try to make the same in in the park in Paris mm-hmm. <laughs> with the old people looking at you, they think you are crazy for the first time <laughs> first of all they they think you are crazy and they think you you are destroying the tree, the branches and and you cause damage to the tree, but it's not true. It's not true, because when you have experience, like orangutans, you can you can be part of the tree. And the trees live uh, in harmony with a lot of animals, in birds, apes, butterflies, insects. Of course, you have some insects. They can kill the tree, and some animals can damage the tree. That's right, but the trees live with a lot of biodiversity and they can, for example, in the city, you have just one tree here and a few meters or more, uh, you have another and they don't have any contact.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's try that again. So um, where were we? We just realized that we were not recording. That's just so.
0: a question. Make yeah. or-
1: yeah, the question, I think what we were talking about right before we left was um, how to be in harmony with the trees, right, and what that means, right? You were talking about how there's biodiversity and, and, you know, there are plants and insects and fungi that can be destructive to the trees, but also it's all part of one web of life. And there's a way in which we as human beings can be destructive to the trees, but also we can actually build a relationship with the trees that's mutually beneficial.
0: Yeah, I think it's beneficial for the tree, for both of them, you know? So for you, can you can have more strength, more uh, health, more flexibility, thanks to the tree, thanks to the relationship you can uh, establish with the tree. And that is a, is an important fact. It's better than every gym, it's better than every workout for me the tree can learn to you everything
1: mm-hmm. you
0: can answer your questions to, to the to the trees and yeah for me the relationship with the trees is absolutely uh, important in our modern societies to be in the nature barefoot in the trees so yeah i think i think we forgot we we are um, warriors you know um our warrior minds. To be a warrior is not killing people and 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 try to 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 conquer other lands. No, it's more about a philosophy and parkour stuff and and primal to be in the nature for me is is to be a real human, you know. And mm-hmm. it's very important to me to to feel this part of humanity inside me because I feel more strong. I feel I'm. I'm honest with myself and with the others, mm-hmm. and it's just thanks to the relationship with the nature and with the trees, and that's the most important thing for me in the life in in this moment in my life. So that's why I want to to protect the biodiversity with my my little person, because I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm just a human, you know, but with my my contribution with the 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 videos on youtube I, I can show the last places the last virgin places on this planet and how to try to protect this amazing planet and stop to try to conquer mar mars or or the moon or the, it's not important the most important is to protect the the magic place that you you have here yeah it's the earth we we don't have the trees in mars uh you know so <laughs>
1: sure. it's funny that you should say that because that's like a it's a it's a personal thing of mine it makes sense that it matters to you too but I, I feel like we're stuck in this um in this mindset of wanting to ascend out of being earthlings and i think it's fundamentally deeply mistaken because we are we are earthlings so i like call yeah. this the escape eschatology eschatology means the, the 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 knowledge of the end times or the theory of how things end and so you know our christian heritage gave us this idea that there's this this kingdom of heaven that's that is you know to be revealed and so there's been many ways of imagining this kingdom of heaven that we're moving towards and this idea of history as progress and it there's a a machine-based vision of what Absolutely. And that machine-based vision tends to play out as either interstellar colonization or digitization, right? Like we will be free of the sin of being poor, weak, humble human beings when we colonize other planets or when we upload ourselves into the cloud. And I think that this is incredibly mistaken because I think that we are already in a relationship that's in a world that's so alien to us that it's causing us profound suffering and that the, the path to the path to redemption in some sense, is is actually reclaiming the relationship with the earth. Um, we, Absolutely. you know, when you talk about the trees, you know, you mentioned the tree is the best gym, the tree is ever, all these things. Like the way that I think about it is we actually are, inheritors of 60 million years or 60 to 90 million years of our evolution like a human being has binocular vision and grasping hands and shoulders that do this and a chest that's flat instead of keel shaped like a dog's because we come from tree climbing animals and and people tend to think that we you know we became human when we came down from the trees and therefore you know that's you know, that's the break point. But if you look at Hunter forager tribes as, you know, you've gone and, and, and moved with them, you find that the trees are really important. The most important, like the densest calorie resources in most environments are eggs, honey, and fruit, which are found. Yeah. So um, there is some research that shows that in in, in environments that have plenty of trees, Forager cultures spend very similar amounts of time in the trees as chimpanzees, like a thousand meters of tree climbing a day, or something like this. I think was what the research found. Don't quote me on that. Uh, we can link the actual research, but uh, but yeah, it's this it's this profound aspect. But then, how many kids now today grow up grow up without ever having climbed a tree? Not a lot. <laughs> and 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 so we have an epidemic of shoulder impingement. And so some doctor comes along and says, hey, if you just hang, all of a sudden, like, the shape of the bones actually will change over time and create room for the shoulder. And the way that I think of that is that hanging is actually nutrition for the body. And shoulder impingements impingements are a symptom of malnourishment. Yeah, you're...
0: Your body change my body because I, I observe myself um since I start this activity. And your body changed a lot when you are the dress. My flexibility of shoulders, my feet also look so it's like it's like my shoes. I don't use any more shoes shoes and my hands too. So yeah. Everything's everything changed. You you your bones, your health, your your brain too, your creativity inside the trees, your vision. Because when you are in the inside the trees with the branches, you are in three dimension. So it's absolutely different than than our world. Uh, you have straight routes. Uh, everything is is very perfect. We we think we are intelligent and smart. Just because we have a smartphone, but we are less intelligent than the tribes, because we don't use the our brains, um, our brains for for example hunt, um, run, um, build a home, uh, try to survive. We don't have any spiritual connection with nothing. Maybe religions, but f- for me. In our modern society, the religion are more toxic than than I don't know. is very good in in the paper, you know, to be Christian or Muslim or or to to believe in in gods or I don't know. But he don't change nothing when you look people in in the cities. This is not the true beliefs and the true connections. Because you are inside a home everything is um fake you know the light the 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 ground the shoes it, this is made with petrol so yeah you believe in god It's good for you i'm i'm happy for you but i think you think you are a very be- better person than than me because i don't believe in god I don't think so, because you are not connected with the reality, with the nature. For me, you 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 can't pretend you are better than other people if you are not connected with the reality, and the reality is just the nature. We think the people from tribes are savages and are stupid because they don't know how to read or how to 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 i don't know to who use a smartphone you know for example but it's not true they are more smart than us and prehistoric tribes too because they are an animist probably um, connection with the the um, the nature they believe in in spirits of the forest or in spirits of animals but it's more it's more true to believe in our mother nature than a god, you then you never see. You never see God. You never see uh, Allah, or I don't know. But for me, it's more logic to to believe in real things and the trees and the nature and the cold, the rain, the thunder. Everything is real, you know. So maybe it's not about spirits, but it's real. It's here, and you need to readapt your your mindset about that because the humans now control the nature control agriculture control everything nature is like our enemy now but it's not true it's not true our only god is the money (laughs)
1: that, that is that i think is true it's it's interesting i've been um i've been working a lot with uh the ideas of jordan peterson who talks a lot about you know the the value of the biblical stories and mm. mythology in general and then also the work of John Gerdecki who brings in the neoplatonist tradition but also the importance of the christian mystical tradition and 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 these ideas and one of the things that is really interesting about that is how much it actually was about connection with nature and it's been lost right if you look at the the christian mystic tradition if you look at the the celtic saints you look at the early church fathers there are so many stories about their connection to nature and how they retreated from the world to study nature and how the mind of god was seen as contained or revealed within the creation so you go into the creation in order to actually relate well to the mind of god and the uh and so and then the same is true with the Sufis and the uh, and the Muslim uh, mystic tradition, and obviously you find it in Taoism as well. Like there has been this beating core of of nature connection that's fundamental to, uh, to to spirituality throughout almost you know all of the major religious traditions. And yet somehow in modernity we've lost that.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I can't remember if this was captured on air, but. I want to make sure we touch on this because you mentioned it as well, like this, this idea that we need to, to have a good relationship with the trees far more than we need to go to Mars. Right. I think the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, so from that Christian tradition, we have this, this sense that there is a kingdom of heaven that's to be revealed and it, and it gives us uh, this progressive idea of history, which is very different from, from what, we, what you see in tribal cultures. In tribal cultures, there's a sense of continuity and cycle. There's not a sense that we're moving towards an end. But uh, Christianity, not alone, Christianity in particular in the West has this very strong idea that we're moving towards this end state, right? We start in the garden, we, we lose the garden. And then somehow we're going to end up back in the kingdom of heaven. And the idea of the Christian, the Christian solution to that, which is if we just believe in Jesus enough, that that will just occur, doesn't seem, seems to have lost its plausibility for most people in the West over the last couple hundred years. And I think for the most part, it's been replaced by a mechanistic understanding, right? Mm. We will build a machine that will take us to heaven. We will we will build God from the machine. That's what we're doing with AI, I think, right? In a very scary way. And and so we we think that so you see this very much in Silicon Valley, this idea that that the end state of history, the goal to which we are aimed, is either to escape the planet and colonize other worlds or to escape into the digital world True. and i've thought about this a lot and the more i think about it the more i i think that it's deeply deeply mistaken because it's
0: worse and worse
1: yeah we are we're you know we have the idea of the alien right and the alien is threatening but if we start to conceptualize what a human being would have to actually become to successfully live on an alien world they would be aliens to us right that's that's what comes out of like the evolutionary psychology literature and all this stuff is like human beings are 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 continuous with this natural world we are a product of it we are not extricable from it as the same thing and so we've talked about you know the trees and how we we come from the trees So if your shoulder can't function without hanging, without moving in the trees, how how is the human being going to adapt to an environment that has a completely different light, right? Like when the sun sets on Mars, it's blue. People don't realize this. If you're watching a sunset on Mars, the sky doesn't turn orange and gold. It turns blue. Now, your eyes have evolved over millions of years to pick up that red light in the morning and that red light in the evening to train your circadian rhythm. So this little thing is going to have to change if you're on Mars. Suddenly, you're going to have to switch that. But what else switches when you change that? Because it turns out like pigments have all sorts of associations with other developmental things, right? When we uh, change the, you know, uh, mel- the melaton- melanin, it's associated with tons of things in your developmental cascade as well. so it's not it's not so simple to re-engineer a human being to thrive on Mars in 0.3 gravity in light that's completely different, let alone in another so- uh, solar system. I think we live in an environment that is fundamentally too alien for us already. And so what we need to do, is what I think you and I are in some sense doing is rediscovering how deep the relationship with the natural world is how do we redeem it
0: but, but it's absolutely necessary and important to have the conscience to do that now because mm-hmm. in 100 years we lost we lose um 70% of the the virgin parts of the world mm. and 80% of the biodiversity so now it's for me i think it's too late but it's never too late no you know but yeah. well, i think i think we we are almost in the hell. We, you was talking about the the heaven and the hell, and the heaven still existing in the earth is the natural places. The hell for me is the cities and the the machine of the madness, humanity destroying everything. For me, is the the comparative is is an evidence. So. Yeah, we are absolutely stupid, and <laughs> I don't understand the 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 logic of the humanity and elites and governments. Why? Why we need to destroy the nature? Cause the nature probably doesn't disappear because you know the story of dinosaurs 60 uh some 65 million years ago ago. (laughs) so yeah uh, probably we disappear before the nature but we are so
1: fucking stupid i mean as long (laughs) as we're here we are we are a product of nature right and we require all these other systems of the life world to keep us alive but i so i i I can't remember if this got caught on camera everything. We're having such trouble with the, uh, the, the cameras, but um, like, I grew up in the, the, the hippie community and, you know, around people who are very concerned about the environment. And so that was something that I, I grew up in. And I think there's real reason why we need to be deeply concerned about, for instance, the Amazon. Um, but I also think that environmental catastrophism can be misleading and we there, there are counter signals, right? Um, where I grew up when I was a child, bald eagles were very uncommon and osprey were completely almost gone. And peregrine falcons were definitely totally gone and wolves were gone. And, uh, now, like the other day, I was driving through Skagit County where I grew up and I saw 13 immature bald eagles in one field Um, We see bald eagles almost daily. We see osprey all the time. I've seen peregrine falcons here in in Bellingham. Um, We have wolf packs. I think we have 26 wolf packs in Washington state now. Uh, If you look at the UNECE uh, cultures, which includes almost the entire Northern Hemisphere, uh, you see that there is a substantial net regrowth of forests through that entire region. So... Human beings can shift their relationship to nature. And interestingly, I think there's a there's a potential for a for a positive relationship between technology and the natural world because it's where we've made people wealthy enough to where the where we've developed enough wealth to care deeply about nature because it's hard to care about saving the tigers when you're starving. But where that's happened, you're seeing that environmental movements are growing, the land is being set aside, um, and that the desire for a proper relationship with nature is is coming back. So I think there's a, I I, I believe that there's hope for sure, and I believe that that um, that taking the joy that a child has in climbing a tree. And using that as the scaffolding to bring people into awareness of nature as something they have to be in relationship to, and then that the relationship has to be cared for. Right? We can't treat it just as a resource to be extracted. I actually think that to do that well, we have to get people To start to have a fundamental relationship with nature that's not simply something that we observe or read about in books or go to a zoo to see. Yeah. Hmm. So tell me. Yeah, I
0: I agree, everything. (laughs) You have a very nice vision, but yeah, how to change the world. (laughs) Yeah. With little classic. things, I I think it's not enough and nece- necessary to, to change things like, like the COVID, for example, because mm-hmm. one day everything was normal and the day after every people was a, a fucking mask in the face, mm-hmm. every change because the governments decide. So if the governments decide seriously to change things, probably the things change but we can't change the world ourselves we can change our world mm-hmm. but the world no it's not possible the the humanity is absolutely sick now and the corruption the the money the money is like the the hell for me of course i need money to realize my projects and to to buy cameras material and to to pay my lawyer yeah it's necessary but people make disasters with the money and the american dream for example is is a trap it's not It's not. I think it's not good to still having this kind of mentality with money, uh, to build big cars, to show how money I have. uh, Look, I have a Gucci, or I don't know. It's the worst part of the humanity, in my opinion.
1: It's interesting because. I don't know that money is the worst aspect of humanity i think humanity's brutality towards ourselves and others is the worst Uh, and and interestingly what money has done is it's actually created on one level the first thing that it does is it creates the it it helps create a potential to get something from each other without resorting to violence right if you look at tribal cultures there's really like two options for uh, for getting something from someone else you either Take it from them violently, or you find a way to trade. And as we trade, we create these positive, positive-sum relationships. And, mm. and the interesting thing that for me that what I w- work on is underst- in understanding is that capitalism really works as a way to create those positive-sum relationships. But it has this this problem, which is that now the accumulation of money becomes the god right? When we don't have proper relationship to nature, to being, we elevate the the system that we allocate trade to as the God itself. And um, so um, I mentioned Jordan Peterson. He talks about the idea that the ultimate solution to the corruption of the state is the virtue of individuals. And I think that that's really important and also really incomplete we we have to cultivate the, the the virtue of individuals and we also have to work for incentive structures that that work well with virtuous individuals i think there's no um there's no system of government that's so well designed that it is invulnerable to corrupt people but there's also no realistic set of people who are virtuous enough that they can't be corrupted by bad incentive structures <laughs> and so we have to work on both right so i i admire and i think of myself as in kind of the 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 jordan peterson side of that which is the cultivation of the develop, of the individual and then i think of people like daniel schmachtenberger as people who are really looking at the systematic incentives and how we need to shift them, the whole game B conversation. but you know I, I think it's important not to become too too disillusioned, right? Yes, you're only one person. but you are a person who has like, I think like, I think it's up to what three quarters of a million people who are watching you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but it's still nothing—not en- not enough, I think. But yeah, yeah,
1: but I agree it, your
0: philosophy and your your vision.
1: Yeah.
0: I agree absolutely, but I think we don't have time now. It's like it's the end, you know.
1: So, well, so th- so there's two answers to that. One is if it if it is the end, if something survives, how do we set what survives up? Yeah, exactly how do we build how do we make the the make sure that the most important things are recoverable from the from the ashes or two we don't know the future we don't know if it's too bad so we got to keep fighting right so i mean predicting the future is hard and we've been wrong a lot right if you look at paul Ehrlich and the population bomb you know in the 19 in 1970 i think he, 1969, he predicted that by the 19, by the 1990s, we'd have widespread famine worldwide. And he was wrong, right? We have more food supply. We have fewer people starving than yeah. Yeah, ever in human history. So maybe it's too late. Or maybe we just can't see the future that well. But what we can do is we can act to help the people around us recognize the most important things and become more virtuous people. And I think that what you're doing by going out and showcasing the remaining tribes, showcasing the the, uh, the tigers and the orangutans, is you're opening up people's heart, hearts to the fact that those things are still important. Right? If, if, like many people who maybe just did parkour because it was fun, and they find your video and they're excited by you f- flying through the trees, and they keep watching, and then they see you in Rajasthan with the tigers, and maybe that ignites a little bit more love, a little bit more passion for the tigers. And that does make a change. Like That's the type of changes that we have available to us.
0: You know what I love so much? Animals. Mm-hmm. You know what? I love animals because they are perfect. Mm -hmm. The humans need to to search the goals in the life, why I'm here. I need to to try to find some reason to live or to continue living. Animals are perfect and they are super smart, more than we can imagine, you know. So, yeah, um, you're right and I agree everything you told and I think yeah yeah of course I want to fight for the biodiversity resting in this planet the animals and the passion I have and you're right I don't know the future but I'm in these times yes probably the reason is a uh, um I travel a lot in in last month, and I'm a little bit pessimist about the nature, the future, and the nature of the humanity. You know, so yeah, probably is just um, an episode of my life now, but probably my vision change. I think you you are a good person, and you write in a lot of. And uh, things and facts, but, yeah, I'm a little bit pessimist about the future because
1: <laughs> so you were Sorry. just expressing your feelings about the importance of 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 protecting biodiversity. And you are talking about, um,
0: yeah, I think you're right. Um, the most important is to have the opportunity and to have your mind opened to change your perspectives, your roles, to be flexible, everything, every time. And yeah, you can have convictions and you can, lo- for example, I, I want to defend biodiversity, for example. But um, you have a lot of different Um, kind of uh, forms to defend the biodiversity and I need to be flexible with my mind to learn every day. So, for example, I learn with you now. Uh, I learn more English, of course. (laughs) That's one of the first facts for me. And it's very good. Um, And, yeah, I think it's one of the most important things. Uh, We need to be teachers but you we need to to be um, students too and all of our lives in very is very important in in my opinion
1: absolutely yeah always a student um so you you've just come back from a series of tours tell me you've been to uh you went to uh Uganda to see the chimpanzees yeah Uganda, and then you went to uh was it Algeria for the the baboons or macaques? Uh,
0: no, uh, barbarian macaques. Uh,
1: so that's bar- Barbary macaques. Is in what country?
0: In in Morocco, Morocco. in the Atlas oh. part, in the mountains.
1: Morocco. So Uganda, Morocco, um, and then uh, you went to. You've been to see the the orangutans as well, or is that? How- no,
0: this oh. is for uh,
1: August. August, okay. And then you went to India to experience the tigers, and then you have been to the the Amazon recently as well. I think I saw a video of that. I haven't yeah. watched the video yet. YouTube won't give me uh, Amer- uh, English subtitles, so I can't do the French subtitles.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. There, There is a, uh, subtitles in English, uh, but uh, from YouTube.
1: <laughs> so you have... Um, You've you've been there, and then you're going to uh to uh to Borneo to see the uh to the to see Sumatra. The... Sumatra, okay. Sumatra, um, and it seems like this has been a pretty intense experience for you emotionally to go to these <sighs> places.
0: Yeah, absolutely. is uh, is a big dream for me because, mm-hmm. uh, chimpanzees and orangutans are my favorite inspirations to move in the trees. I think they are the king of the canopy uh, and probably more the orangutans Mm -hmm. because they have similar weight, uh, Mm -hmm. like me, like you, like uh, maybe in kilograms the biggest orangutan is close to 200 kilograms, you know? <laughs> so they move in the trees in the top of the canopy, yeah. like, like, wow, <laughs> you know? So yeah, they're me a lot because one of the frequent questions I have in my Instagram is um, how to don't break the branches, mm-hmm. you know? And it's still my question with the orangutans. So I need to see that. with my own eyes
1: yeah it's interesting I think when I so like I said I grew up climbing trees you know all the time and when I first took my parkour students and started taking them into nature I discovered that they would break limbs that I wouldn't break and that was really upsetting to me anytime that a tree limb got broken and I couldn't understand it at first. Like I literally, I I climbed through this one tree and I had a student who was a, who's a child. who's like a 10 year old boy who weighed 70 pounds and he climbed and he broke this branch. Um, luckily the branch wasn't completely broken. It just cracked and then it healed. But, uh, but I was like, how did this, how did this 10 year old break a branch that I, as a 200 plus pound adult man didn't break. And so I started to really attune to like, what is the difference in the way that I'm moving compared to people and realized that there was a lot of implicit understanding that I had that I just developed through doing it a lot as a kid. And so the, the things that I noticed was that people don't respect that tree branches are levers and that the further you are from the fulcrum, the greater force that you're putting on. So a lot of times mm-hmm. I swing and I naturally just put my hands as close to the trunk as I can get basically comfortable, right? And and then people will try to do the same thing as me and they just won't attend to the fact that they're jumping much farther out on the branch. And then I'm also much better at recognizing and paying attention to signals that the branch is rotten. And that's something that a lot of people don't have an attunement to. And then there's even a sense of the rhythm of force development. You can't be so sharp and sudden in the way that you put force into a branch. You have to feel the way it moves. So there's a time when you can put your force, right? when you can apply force to a branch. And it's very subtle. It's really interesting, like the balancing challenges on tree branches because they they, they tip and they roll and they sway. and um, And so there's so many different things that are happening when you're running down a tree branch that people don't realize.
0: Yeah, people need to understand you need to be a part of the branch the most important thing is is to be um, relaxed, mm-hmm. absolutely relaxed inside the tree, like um, um, a branch, but another death branch, because as you can see, when you have a strong wind, the death branch can broke, just broke and fall. And if you are like a death branch, so with tension, Climbing with tension, you can fall too, it's like the death branch. You need to be just relaxed and super flexible. Feel the the balance of the wood and listen the 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 noise of the tree. Because the tree is, you you need to be a part of the tree. It's the most important to be relaxed to understand where the tree move and what is the possibility. Offer by the
1: tree yeah the that idea of relaxation is key the the sense that um so often we are over tense right we're over over rigid and that that um, makes our movement <laughs> yeah. not very easy to attune to the environment and it also um it also makes us less sensitive but um we also have to have tension, obviously, right? Because if we're completely relaxed, we just fall out of the tree. Um, you know, the muscles have to be turned on. So there's this this sense, just like a tree, that you need structure with flexibility in it. And then you need the sensitivity. And the tree itself is a teacher. I like to think of the trees as like martial arts, old martial arts masters that I go to. Right.
0: Absolutely.
1: And every tree is kind of like its own little style, you know?
0: Yeah, every tree is different, and every tree is like another master, another, another martial art. Yeah, as you can
1: see. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I uh, orangutans. You know, the big ones. They don't move very fast, right? Chimpanzees, though, move. They can get pretty huge and move super, super fast, still in the canopy. Super aggressively, yeah. It's crazy to watch, like uh. Adult male chimps that can be, you know, they're they're like small adult human beings in weight, um, yeah, and they're they're hunting colobus monkeys. When
0: they wow, they are in totally crazy. Yeah. They are more fast than the normal. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely crazy to watch the chimpanzee. I was in Uganda uh, looking, um, um, a hunting chimpanzee, the chimpanzee hunting in real and is absolutely huge yeah. absolutely huge the organization that are super military yeah. um they don't talk you know but they communicate with the signs with uh, for example some chimpanzee they have the eyes like us with the white part mm-hmm. and these chimpanzees can uh, make some kind of signs with the the eyes and the other I understand where and uh, they they need to put uh, something or their position, or if they need to climb the tree or to block some some colobus monkey, is absolutely huge and amazing to see that. And just before the hunt, the the forest is absolutely in silence, yeah. <laughs> because you know in the jungle it's always a noise uh, birds insects you you can hear always a noise but just before the hunt it was in absolutely silence i was shocked about that
1: yeah that's fascinating it
0: was an amazing experience
1: one of the things we work with in our retreats is bird languages so this comes out of the work of john young and uh uh, I'm not sure if Tom Brown was 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 talking about this as well, but the basic sense is that if you know the basic cries, the basic calls of the birds in your area, and you attune to specific birds like uh, John Young, particularly, his book is called What the Robin Knows, but he, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, he really says like robins and other ground nesting birds are super, super good information sources. because They tell you what's happening in the environment. So if you attune yourself enough to the birds, um, you can actually hear where a predator is in the environment mm-hmm. by, by mapping the difference between where it's silent and where the alarm calls are going off because the birds that are too close to the predator will be totally silent, but then the birds that are far enough away will start alarm calling. And so you can track the cone of silence through the forest and then get a sense for where a predator is.
0: Yeah, the alarm call. That's, remember me, the leopards and peacocks, for example, in India. Mm -hmm. The alarm call of the peacocks. Yeah, it's very important to, yeah. And for example, native people know perfectly the the sounds of the nature and how to describe every situation. And yes, native people fascinate me.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You talked about the idea that you feel like they're smarter than we are. Um, and I would say they're smart for a different world. Um, but it's, it's interesting because it's kind of the world that we, they're smart for the world we evolve for. Um, I, you know, I started training parkour in nature and I'm curious to hear your, your experience about this, but I started training parkour in nature and I didn't know what kind of trees I was in. So the cedar trees that I was moving in, they were, they had these incredible shapes and I was like, I need to find other trees like this. And so I started trying to figure it out and asking around. And, like, turned out they were Western Red Cedar, which is the third most common tree in the area. But why were they like this in this one place? So then I didn't, it wasn't just the species of tree. I needed to know what was unique about these trees. So it turns out that Western Red Cedars will crown, they will send out tree branches right at their roots, basically, right uh, directly above the ground. If they have lots of light around them, but if there's if they're in a closed canopy forest, that goes straight up. So I've seen the same thing with the beech trees. Like you put a beech tree in a in a um, in a in a park, and it'll create these crazy shapes. You put it in a forest. I've walked through forests in Denmark that are like 100% beech trees. There's not a limb available. It's not 40 feet off the ground, right? So, um, so you learn. Okay, it's not just about the tree the type of tree but the species of tree it's about where the tree lives and then you become interested in the life of the tree and so i went through that and i started to learn about all the trees and the lives of the trees and how to find the good trees and different types of trees and where they lived and that was all fascinating to me and then i had this experience where i had a uh, basically a um, what's the term a burnout episode i guess you could say all right I was uh, I was traveling and teaching a lot. And I came back to the United States and I felt really overdone. But I had one more seminar to teach down in California. And as I was preparing for that seminar, I basically like felt like my mind broke. <laughs> and I was able to teach a seminar, but I came back and I climbed a tree and I got like six feet off the ground and I started having heart palpitations. So I had to take some time away from from moving in the trees. Like athletically like a parkour athlete, but I didn't want to lose my connection to nature. So I just started walking through the park every day. And as I was walking through the park every day, I started being like, where are the deer? Why don't I I ever encounter any deer? Where's the deer scout What's going on in this forest And then I started looking at all these ground cover and saying, what eats this right? What lives in this? What's going on here? And I started realizing that when you're walking through a forest, there's this immensity of information that's available. This extraordinary story of this is where the medicine is in this patch of forest. This is where the food is. This is how it's being utilized by the birds, by the rodents, by the predators in the environment, by the herbivores. And, you know, here's the, the beds of the deer. Here's where the coyotes come. And, and that I was really blind to this. So I started having the sense that, like, we're not, you know, we talk about parkour vision in the parkour community, right? You you were walking through the city for years, you start parkour, you see, and then all of a sudden walls become things you can vault. It's like, oh, that's a good cat leap That's a good con vault. And it, it's exciting. You have this sense of 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 enchantment with the world. And then I had that with trees, right? and And there's meaning in the world, but... And and you know that everyone's blind to that, right? Most people are walking by that tree and they don't, they just see green. It's not even, it's not, it's not a place that you could jump and swing from. They don't know the species of the tree. They don't know anything about it, right? But then you think, how would a human being who was, whose livelihood depended upon the land, see that? What are the meanings intrinsic in it? And so I, I started to think that like a, a modern sedentary Westerner walking through the forest is like an illiterate person walking through the library of Alexandria. They're surrounded by the most important stories that have ever been. And they're completely unable to read them. And so, so that was when that was my ignition moment for like, I have to learn about this place. I have to learn to read this, you know, and there's been so many beautiful moments where, you know, I walk out into the field next to my house and there's this there's snow, and then I see where the coyote's been hunting voles under the snow. You can track where they ran and then how they dived into the snow and pulled the voles out. And it's like, how many people can see that something happened there at all? How many people would notice that as opposed to just snow? So yeah, I'm curious how that how that how that did that develop in a similar way for you, and how did that come about?
0: To be honest, at the beginning, I just was looking for the perfect tree, mm-hmm. like the perfect wall uh, or the perfect place, spot parkour. I was looking just for the perfect branch uh, strong, without any kind of problems mm-hmm. or I, I, you you just clean the branch and okay I can jump it's like it's the same stuff uh, than the parkour I don't I, I don't um uh, think about nothing more but um years after years I change my my mentality about um about the trees because at the at the beginning the trees are just like the walls in the parkour But after uh, my connection with the trees was stronger and I don't try to change um, the, or or to uh, I don't try to find the perfect place. I just try to adapt myself to move in the tree with my creativity, with my condition, and with the imperfections of the tree and it was more interesting and more, yes, probably difficult, but better for me to my progression. Cause yeah, at the beginning, I, I just was, was interested about the perfect things, uh, but not about my my personal progress and, after that, it was another time different, because it's it doesn't what about just the performance. It was about what the secrets have the tree uh, for me or to discover. It was very interesting to to watch the forest and the trees differently that the than the beginning and. Yes, you're right, I was too blind because the forest uh, for me was like just an a different place, you know, it's a quiet place with the birds singing, but the secrets of the forest and the ecosystem, the balance uh, and the pyramid of, of this place was absolutely fascinating me. Uh, and I, when I discover uh, different things about just the specificities, the specificities of one tree uh, in this in this tree and you can eat the leaves or you can eat the what is the name this the, like the the blood of the tree you know um so- yeah exactly oh similar to the french <laughs> Uh, you 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 can find this kind of uh, insects um, or squirrels, birds, and in different seasons you can you can watch the nature differently and and you can feel the nature like a big breathing, you know, and yeah, it's some kind of magic. And yeah, for me, this was a very long process because I start from the urban parkour, the concrete mm-hmm. and with shoes in the trees. But in my mentality, I was thinking, OK, if you start to train with without shoes, without shirt, probably can be more most difficult to move inside the tree without shoes or without shirts. You can feel cold. But when you put again your shoes, probably you feel stronger than before. And when you put your sweat, you feel very comfortable, very, very cool and very, very strong too. But I think to be strong is like yeah you need you need to to suffer it's very important the the pain parts and the suffer parts to yeah to be stronger like uh, when you prepare some uh, the 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 fighters with, with the MMA the training is uh, always difficult than the real fight mm-hmm. for example like tyson um uh, say that and I think it's the same for, for the parkour stuff. And I when I when I start in the nature, that it was my philosophy: put out my shoes, put out my shirt, and try to, to feel the, the strong wood in your foot. And yeah, now it's more about the connection, the the spirituality and I don't feel any pain in my feet or so cold in winter when I put out my shirt. But I was several and long years suffering to to feel the, the positivity now. And yeah, I think it's very important to, for example, the people now just want to, to make parkour uh, simply without any suffering in the gym uh, with the tramps and everything with the the commodities but i think yeah in the time of the yamakaze and david bell it was absolutely different i have contact with the all of the the pioneers of parkour and these guys are super primal because the training in these times was just walking in Cradopedia inside the snow during three kilometers, with any sense, but just suffering. And I think it's very important, in particular in these times, to don't forget it's important to 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 have this part uh, of the process to to be a best
1: person to grow as a human being the struggle
0: yes thank you for your english is uh absolutely better than mine <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i um it's yeah there's a there's a balance i think between the joy and the struggle and the training and the the scaffolding yourself up progressively versus like sometimes just choosing the challenge and staying with it i uh I think we should come to a close in our conversation for today. It's been really, really good to connect with you. Um it feels like it's been a deep conversation that's kind of gone in places I didn't necessarily anticipate. But for people who who are interested in what you're doing, who want to support the trips that you're making to highlight these natural spaces, who maybe want to support the charities that you're working with, is there anything you want to share about um about what you're doing and, and how people can get involved?
0: Hmm. You know, when I started, um, I was very savage gay, Uh, very Very alone
1: too. Very solitary, okay.
0: Yeah, Yeah, solitary, savage, alone. I grew up uh, myself, you know, so every day I was training in in the morning, wake up at six morning. In the, in the snow, in the rain, it doesn't matter, you know. So every day I was motivated to continue the training. I stopped the school super uh, um, early mm-hmm. at 14. I continued school in, in home, but in this time I was a lot of time to the training and it was my obsession to be strong, to to continue my, yeah my, my way, you know, by myself, and I was happy doing that. But uh, now, when I uh, when I'm thinking about that, uh, <laughs> I think I was crazy. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was happy doing doing my my job, you know, and. I was, as I told you, super savage and when I was 18, 20, my mother was um, suffering for me because without work, without any kind of study, without any other passion than the training and then the animals, it was very difficult and so I started to work, continue the training of course but... I started to work, so I was working eight hours during the day. Uh, I wake up, same, at six, training one and a half hour. Um, During the rest of the day, I was working. And after that, uh, in winter, in the night, I I remember in that time, it was crazy because I was with uh, my frontal light in the woods. Uh, Continued the training during two hours, and after that, I was my teach teach uh classes um in the gym mm-hmm. uh parkour classes during three hours and sometimes after that uh I'm just staying in the in the in the gym doing some bars or some parkour stuff in the gym so maybe one day fifty do, during fifteen hours I was active. Mm-hmm. So it was a difficult and long period of my life and I decide around my 26, 27 to start with the social medias, YouTube and Instagram. I grew up uh, very fast, but it was an absolutely new experience for me because I, I start from zero with um montage, uh, editing video and how to make videos about primal parkour it was new for me and new for everyone so yeah it was a big challenge for me but an amazing experience and from yeah it's it's it changed my life absolutely <laughs> from from this moment to now I changed my life completely and people start to To be inspired by my videos, my training, my philosophy, I started to climb buildings too. So, yeah, I think the Primal Method, the Primal Movement, gives me a lot of strength and a a very good uh, mental. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, last year I was doing, uh, I was doing. um, a series about extreme sports. I was trying uh, 70 different extreme sports and I had success in everyone. And I think it's thanks to the primal method training every day from the six morning o'clock uh, in the snow alone. And during years uh, gives to me a lot of strength in my, in my mental in, in the spiritual way too and people are inspired by by that too and today yes i have the opportunity to travel around the world and to expand my my quest and my philosophy about the primal movement my vision is is it was at the beginning it was my dream to to live the life that i live today so I'm happy about that. Very happy, and I'm happy because when I'm looking um, down, uh, down no, but when I'm looking uh, my way, you know, okay. uh, I see. Well, yeah, got I, there. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see a lot of people uh, following me, supporting me, and
1: I feel I'm not
0: alone. So I was alone. I was happy, and now I'm happy too, but i'm not alone i have my team i have a lot of people supporting my projects and is yeah the life in this in this way is very beautiful
1: i'm really happy that's it's cool to see i i really love the projects that you're doing and the, and the spaces that you're going um thank you for joining us uh, i'm sure we'll have another conversation i look forward to that
0: thanks to you and yeah, finally we made it. <laughs> we made it it was a very long process. We tried for the first time a month ago, and and now, yeah, it was it was nice. And I hope in, in August or before uh, we can meet. In June you come.
1: Coming in it's, June. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In June, in June probably uh, I will be in in Quebec, in Canada. Okay. But nothing is sure because. Uh, is the TV uh, so mm. you can you can't know nothing after um, uh, the last moment?
1: <laughs> yeah, hurry up and wait. I'm I'm familiar. Okay, thank you.